welcome to the PI Podcast, Political Insights for the Palaging Inis. I'm your host, Matt, and with me is my co-host, political scientist, meme lord, and legally proclaimed haram, Borg. <laughs> okay, that was just, just way off. Fine, and the environment of what haram is. Okay, PI nyo, pay nating lahat, Borg, your your service. Yes, and we have a very special episode for you t- uh, tonight. Actually, Norm, we're t- taking a bit of a detour compared to our usual topics of like ideology and national politics and uh, moving towards something that, that's currently becoming more and more important with national politics these days. And we're talking about, of course, Muslim Mindanao. And of course, currently, there are a lot of power players that are emerging in national politics. Of course, the previous president emerged from, uh, well, Rodrigo Duterte emerged from uh, Davao, and now his uh, daughter, you know, Sara Duterte is still uh, is vice president now, but is gets her a lot of her support from Mindanao. And I think that's her, her power center. But, and of course, uh, things like one of the great changes during the Duterte administration is the establishment of the Bangsamore Basic Law or the Bangsamore Administrative Region of Muslim Mindanao. So is of course have become increasingly important, and it's evidently something that uh, we're not completely familiar with. Of course, we are familiar with the generalities, but mm-hmm. uh, we're going to dive deep a, b- a bit deeper with our guest today. But before we go on board, do you have anything to say regards to Muslim Mindanao and how important it is? Hmm. Yeah. No, no. Regarding this one, regarding the topic itself, uh, I think it's not about. It's not only about a lack of knowledge about Muslim Mindanao per se. It's mm. more of uh, public discourse is populated by stereotypes. Mm. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I'm very interested in this topic because I know very little about it. You're right. And you know this reminds me of why we <laughs> one of the reasons why we started this podcast, which is we, we want to know things that we don't. So, and I'm looking yes. forward to learning more from Yasmir today. So to our guests, but uh, again, personally, I do have an interest in Islamic history but then again mm-hmm. may uh, what you call uh, disproportionate knowledge or lack of mm-hmm. lack of knowledge with muslim Mindanao. but i do mm-hmm. know that it's a very complicated place to be in very complicated yeah. you, stereotypes do not do justice to complexities behind right. uh, muslim Mindanao. yeah because yeah. you know if you remember for i mean in the previous decades you know, it's known to being like a dangerous place but mm. actually if you've been well have you ever been to Mindanao Burj? i think we went to davao city before we had a PPSA there. Oh, uh, yeah. You you were there too. I just I forgot. <laughs> I Thank forgot. You know. <laughs> yeah, we were both in, in uh, Davao. Uh, were you able to go around the area? Because more or less, it's a pretty good place. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty peaceful. Yeah, it is, and, it is. Yeah, and before that, uh, well, I remember going to the Pitan, which was a bit on the other, a bit on the other side. Mm. Uh, there is an issue of like brownouts, you know, rotating. But otherwise, it's more or less... Um, more or less urbanized already you know very and again but again it's very different even when you look at um islamic people like from other countries you and i've met them before mm. but most like filipino muslims are uh a bit different and in a way we we're going to discuss that well the, the political and the historical issues with uh muslim and now with our guest today and so without further ado let me just uh introduce our guest she is assistant professor uh, at the Department of Political Science of Mindanao State University and the GAD vocal person of the 
Ligon Institute of Technology of Mindanao State University. Uh, please give a PI welcome to our guest, Yasmira Moner. Hello, Yasmira. Hello, Borge and Matt. Thank you so much. Uh, allow me to greet you the Islamic greetings uh, of uh, peace. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Magandang gabi po sa at sa lahat ng mga tagapakinig. Great. Happy Magandang. to be here. Yeah, happy right, to have you here. Yes. Uh, before we go into the serious questions, I want to know, of course, like, uh, why did you decide to, in a way, specialize in, uh, of course, in Mindanao? Of course, you're currently based in Mindanao, but again, what inspired you to at least get into the politics of Mindanao? Yeah. Well, uh, for one, no, the the story, the the struggle of uh, every Mindanaoan is my is my personal struggle. I was born and raised here in Mindanao, particularly in what used to be uh, a conflict zone in Kauswagan in the northern uh, part of Lanao. It's the coastal area. And so when when I uh, was when I experienced the 2000 all out war, I felt like I need to understand why why things happen the way they are and you know like even if you used to be living in a, in a in a state of peaceful coexistence and then politics comes in the way and 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 things get so messy and that's where you start to really um it got me thinking why things happen the way they are why is it so complex and what's all this mindanao struggle or mindanao conflict mm-hmm. it's trying to make sense of where you're where you came from basically mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, now, of course, when people hear the word Muslim Mindanao, it's usually nebulous. You know, you assume that the whole of Mindanao is Muslim, you know, uh, it's not very specific. So maybe you can give to our listeners, what is an exact, more exact definition of Muslim Mindanao? Well, um, as you can see, historically, what is known as Muslim Mindanao is um, what is in our history book referred to as the Minsopala. So Mindanao Sulu and Palawan Archipelago, because this is the area in the Philippine South where there's a predominantly Moro Muslim population. Mm. So that's where really it was also in the colonial history of the Philippines where the uh, what was then known as Islamized indigenous people who were branded as Moro people because they practice Islam uh, did not uh, wasn't conquered weren't conquered mm. rather. So that's where how the the collective or the political identity came about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I I'm actually curious because, of course, as someone who has spent his life in Metro Manila, you know, whenever you hear about Mindanao, mm-hmm. uh, you'd always hear about. Um, and forgive me for you know bringing this up, but I think it's important to yeah. point out. Uh, of course, a lot of uh, armed struggle, you know, like things like the Abu Sayyaf and the MILF mm-hmm. and MLNF. And I was wondering, like, as someone who's in the ground there, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, can you tell us has anything in a way changed? You know, like of course there's been conflict, but um, has has it improved? And perhaps you can tell us like how that has changed, or like why has that changed? Yeah, I mean, like it's it's really the the, the sad thing, and you know the the, mm. the reality is that the mainstream in the mainstream narrative in in Philippine society, Mindanao is is um, uh, prejudiced, you know, or it, mm. it's painted worse than what it actually is you know mm-hmm. um like uh pre-colonial times there was really this it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place by the mm-hmm. way it's considered yeah. to be a resource rich area you know at some point the food basket mm-hmm. um and you see a lot of um 
you know, not to mention the, the beautiful cultures and peoples here in Mindanao. Um, it's just it's just so happened that the historical animosity between the Christianized majority and mm. the minoritized Muslim Filipinos because of our unfortunate <clears throat> colonial history and as what is uh, what has mentioned um, previously by Borch, you know, the mm. lack, the lacking um, narrative of of what really is Muslim Mindanao in the Filipino psyche and the national mm. mainstream in our Philippine history mm. books is that is is one of the main culprit. You know, the battle, mm. especially now that we're battling disinformation, mm-hmm. um, is really um, we need to do more in terms of bringing back the history of. Muslim Mindanao into the narrative of Filipino nationalism that mm. these people are also are also fighting for what is what they believe is rightfully theirs you know alongside mm. the Filipino brethren and so I think that when we try to really understand this messy um, controversial history of Filipino nationalism as we know it today mm. then we should start from what really happened in Mindanao you know and, and as mm. you can see there's a lot of narratives that are that are yet to be written and i think that's one of the problem now you know mm-hmm. the, the need to also battle misinformation that is the primary source of conflict and and we thought that we we, we just hate each other for for no mm-hmm. reason but it's actually deeply embedded because of our emotional divide as a product mm-hmm. of our lack of knowledge about what really happened in our history right yeah yeah you know regarding that one the, for the past few years we have been uh, enjoying movies by uh, Jal Taruga. You have the Henry <laughs> Luna, and of course you have uh, Goyu. But then again, mm-hmm. I, actually they ignored the 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 unbowed resistance <laughs> against the Americans by our Muslim brethren. So well, well, I don't have a movie regarding resistance against the Americans. I, uh, uh, do you know, I, 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 I have any movies? I honestly, me, I don't know. I yes, Mira, do you know any movies? That, the, the, yeah. There are documentaries. Oh, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. that. There was actually um, uh, a movie by uh, by Cesar Montano. Mm, um, okay. That was that was there's a there's a, a part about that about Mindanao and mm-hmm. um, and the other one where it was actually sponsored by OPAP. Well, mm-hmm. uh, probably I am gonna uh, recall um, later in this in in uh, later no, and then I I'm gonna mention that. But oh, right. yeah, there's still a scarce. Um, mm coverage you know in motion picture yeah. and that's sad yes. you know that yeah. that that simply showed how how peripheral <laughs> yeah, Muslim yeah. Mindanao history is in our national narrative yeah. i actually remember this very recent example done by uh, award-winning filmmaker brilliant mendoza they made he made a movie mindanao i think starring judean santos which is very well it's very yeah. old, had a lot of awards but again mm. maybe you can tell us like how they depicted? What do you think about the depiction of Brillante Mendoza? <laughs> Did you watch the film? I, um, I, I'm not, but but uh, I'm not, I'm I'm not quite so sure if we're on the same page because what I remember was also the Die Womb, uh, uh, by okay. Nora Honor. Uh, that that was also something like a depiction of the cultural um mm-hmm. 
the rich cultural history that we have, the, the uh-huh. cultural peculiarities that we do mm. have it here in Mindanao. Like when mm. you speak about Mindanao, it's not just Muslim Mindanao. Mm. Of course, as you know, that there's also insurgency here, uh-huh. um, that there's also uh, the the the, uh, uh, the fight of the, our um, indigenous people mm. who mm-hmm. are caught between this um this red tagging and mm-hmm. you know the, the the fight of our uh the, the communist movement that is also quite strong here you know mm-hmm. and um and that's that's really it's quite complex and so when you talk about the mindano conflict oftentimes of course we zero yes. into the to the moral problem but there mm-hmm. is a multi-dimensional war here but mm-hmm. what but it's just so happened that I think that when we talk about the Bangsamoro conflict, that it's also important to highlight that there is a successful peace process that is mm-hmm. happening now. And that is why I'm happy that you were we are discussing this because mm-hmm. we also need to mainstream this conflict transformation through a peaceful uh, processes yes. that is now yeah. happening. Yeah, actually, um, I'm not, I don't remember too much about Tai Mumba, although I, I do remember like watching it. It was a bit of a long time, a longer time ago. But I, mm. I also remember Brigitte Mendoza, um, I, the way he did the Mindanao, like it starts again with like military checkpoints. I think yes. there, was time where there was martial law. There was also, of course, he's, it begins with Julian Santos's character trying to get mm-hmm. treatment for child's cancer, which again, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't enough. It was very how you say bare and very not enough. So it's, well, Brianna Mendoza is known for being the gritty side and showing, mm. but of course it's very, it doesn't really put me very much in a good light. And again, it's good that we are discussing a bit now. And I do want to, and since you mentioned, of course, uh, earlier disinformation, I suppose mm-hmm. we can trace it way back to the colonial times, like the Spanish, of course, uh, mm-hmm. talked about the Moros in a, in a different way. You have, of course, American uh, education system. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe we can ask, um, and uh, currently, how has Mindanao been taught, in your opinion? And have there been efforts to, in a way, correct that? Uh, at least uh, you as a professor, maybe, or as mm-hmm. an educator. Yeah. Or, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, if way before social media that has hyphenated this um this uh, uh, now the, the 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 I think the greatest battle of our time, which is misinformation leading to disinformation, mm. Um, mm. that the number one victim of disinformation really are the Moro people. Mm. Um, that mm-hmm. they were really painted as villains, mm. especially in Philippine literature. Like you mm. have the Moro Moro plays, um, yeah. the Sarsawala, mm-hmm. where yeah. Moros are depicted as the evil or the villains in mm. Philippine literature, and um, and. So uh, this this particular depiction can be traced with how the Christianized um, indigenous people, which later on called us, were then called as Filipinos, were used against their own brothers and sisters mm. in the Philippine South to fight each other. Mm. And, and this, of course, you know, the, the, the biggest divide, of course, as you can see, the 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 deal breaker or the, say that the schism is when you, you talk about that uh, social factor, which is, of course, the religious identification. So you have the mm. Christian Catholics and you have the uh, Muslims who who then in alliance with the non-Islamized indigenous people tried to also secure or not did not even try. They really fought hard mm. um, to secure their um ancestral domains and what is now left of 
of course, we're going to discuss later what is BARM, but that mm -hmm. precisely was the reason why um, when, when later on this um, Christianized majority um, inherit what is now the Philippine state, then the others, which were actually the Moros, were painted as uh, the enemies. And so it, it's not just actually the greatest, uh, the greatest um, um, disservice to the Moro people is they're seemingly um, uh, invisible. You know, mm. in the larger Philippine society, there was a time in, in our political history where there was a proposal to make Catholicism state religion. It's in the mm. it's in the book of um, of Mahul. And so um, mm. Mahul in, in his uh, book on the contemporary history of, Fi of Philippine Muslims, if uh, my memory serves me right, was saying that um there was a time you know when um there was this um because it the philippines is i think the only catholic majority country in southeast asia mm. and so it mm. says a lot about our social divide and you have this ethno-nationalist liberation movement that has been fighting mm. the spaniards and the americans and then later on what they perceive as the neo-colonialism of the philippine elite um, mm. who basically annex them without uh, consent. You know, we talk about the Treaty of Paris, which uh, mm. basically uh, left the uh, Moro people uh, uh, without uh, any choice but to be part, to be annexed to the Philippine archipelago. So this particular uh, narrative where the Moro people were um, were um, robbed, you know, of their identity and was summarily become part of the Christianized Filipino psyche um, is, is a narrative that is still not fully appreciated, I say, or mm. doesn't, doesn't uh, sit well with the, with the Filipino majority. And so that is mm. why we need to, if you really wanted to have a national healing and reconciliation, then we need to have further conversations about this. You know, the, the narrative, the, the unspoken narrative in our Philippine history, because, uh, because, um, because political is about relationship building in this case, mm -hmm. you know, um, where uh, the more powerful actor, which is the state comprised mainly by the Christian majority. And for the last time we have a Philippine, Filipino Muslim senator and uh, was in the 1990s. Of course, we now have Robin Padilla, which mm -hmm. is another story. He's okay. a Muslim convert, but uh -huh. not really from Mindanao, right? He's still mm. from Manila. So we're saying mm. that, you see, even in our political representations, we can barely make it to uh, the national uh, mm. uh, um, legislation. So, I mean, it, meaning there is really this minoritization and mm. even in representation, there is no meaningful participation of more people because mm. we don't have a voice in the Senate, for example. Mm. So these are one of the you know complexities when we talk about the political struggle of the more people. Yes. Currently, there, it needs be more representation i completely agree although um i think it's important to also recognize that uh while there is this uneasy relationship with the muslim people with the rest of the the nation actually uh there are some of course of course you're aware there are more there are some players who want to completely create their own nation and mm -hmm. others that are a bit more i suppose uh what's the word, moderate, they can say they just want to have a more prominent part. But what can you say now is the more the consensus regards to 
uh, what Muslims want from the Philippines or what kind what is the what is the goal right now mm-hmm. do they still want a uh, something more like maybe or do they want their mm-hmm. own to seed or it's a bit of an extreme now but I think there's still people who want that but what do you mm-hmm. think like, has it there been a consensus regarding this mm-hmm. I think ever since 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 the um, Moro groups entered into agreement with the Philippine government there has mm-hmm already been that sort of a at least an agreement mm-hmm. that we settle for a, a working a, a genuine political autonomy and it's not just administrative autonomy mm-hmm. uh, but really an autonomy that works for the every moro every bangsamoro uh, man and woman and and their children and i think mm-hmm. um even even now in the current peace process, that is the battle cry. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you're right when you said that the ultimate goal of the Bangsamoro Liberation Front is secessionism. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the highest form of autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 the and the ideologue and founder of MILF, Hashim Salamat, uh, has a booklet, has a pamphlet. Um, he published there that. He doesn't care if it's just a barrio or a village government mm. or a municipality, so long as it is governed by Sharia, Islamic mm-hmm. law, then he he's okay with it. So that's how that's how the MILF is considered to be the largest Muslim separatist group in Mindanao. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 uh well, it's an Islamist group and it's a splinter, its mother organization, of course, the MNLF. Mm-hmm. Um, really calls for a nationalist uh, uh, mm. revolution uh, for the Moro people. But I guess you know they're they're they. You can say that they are um, they are uh, unified in their goal of really wanting to have a kind of self governance mm. where they're they're they could practice that the Bangsamoro people could practice their distinct social cultural way of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, Where do you have anything to say about that? No, I think we can go to the most recent uh, manifestation of this struggle, which yes. is the BARM. So yes, mm-hmm. so maybe you can tell us a bit, like what is the BARM, and maybe uh, how has it, uh, in a way, affected mm-hmm. the current situation in the now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, Borch and Matt, the the history of the BARM cannot be traced. Um, recently, you know, with the signing of the comprehensive agreement, but it's mm. actually a product of an almost five decades mm. of negotiation. The the, the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region in Muslim Mindanao could be traced way back with the mother document, which is the Tripoli Agreement. That's 1975. Mm. When the, well, well ironically, then uh, the then uh, um, uh, President Marcos Sr., mm. and now our president is the junior, yes. signed and uh, um, invited the Moro National Liberation Front because at the time, the MNLF has already, the Bangsamoro struggle has been internationalized. So mm. the struggles of the of, of Muslim, of Filipino Muslims then of the Bangsamoro people has garnered the attention of OIC, particularly Libya. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, you know, when uh, because um, the, the Philippine government was fighting a battle, a battle of two fronts, you know, the war with the communists and then the Moro separatist movement, mm. um, 
Marcos uh, Sr. decided that we need to enter into an agreement with the, with the rebel groups, with the Muslim secessionist group. Mm -hmm. And so that started a Tripoli agreement, which was signed in 1976. But as the history would show, um, um, there was an insertion of the uh, of uh, that particular provision in Tripoli when Marcos Sr. Um, sent his wife at then mm -hmm. that time the governor of human ministry and settlements Imelda Marcos mm -hmm. was sent to Libya and then after that Gaddafi has agreed to insert this this very 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 um significant provision that mm. basically um sort of like um it's, it's like a, a, a straw that broke the camel's back, as, mm. as, as uh, the metaphor would say. Because instead of allowing such political autonomy, what happened was what was then armed became an administrative autonomy instead of political autonomous region. Oh. So that, that particular insertion is the, the Bangsamoro conflict is a domestic mm. conflict that should be uh, resolved uh, without prejudice to the national sovereignty and territorial integrity of the Philippines. Okay, so in the Tripoli Agreement, what is supposedly being Muslim Mindanao, and this was your first mm. question early on, actually comprises of 13 cities. Mm. And um, the provinces include Davao region, mm. Zamboanga Peninsula, and, and the larger uh, Muslim Mindanao, which included Cotabato City mm. and, uh, and as far as Palawan. But mm. because, uh, because, because that, that uh, clause was inserted in the Tripoli Agreement, mm. when Marcos unilaterally uh, implemented the agreement, of mm. course, the MNLF would say, no, we will not going to honor that agreement because it basically is violative mm. of what we have, what we're fighting for, which is basically a, a genuine autonomy for our uh, ancestral domain, which mm. is the Mintzupala region. And so what happened was uh, Marco Sr. Um, uh, unilaterally implemented the peace deal, which mm. created Region 12 and Region 9. Mm. Um, actually, as a 1976 agreement, kasama pa yung uh, Coronadal, you know, Zimbuanga, mm. Jansan. Um, so th mm. that's that's the that's the initial, you know, uh, mm. uh, territorial uh, 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 bargaining or mm. or um, what was what was agreed on. Mm. And then in the nineteen, of course, as we know it, uh, MNLF went back underground. And mm. in, in the nineteen nineties, when with the new with the new administration of Cory Aquino, she entered into a renegotiation with the MNLF. She visited Holo against the advice of her advisor she went to Hulu Sulu to talk with Miss Wari and so uh, after that um, that th that's where the um, arm law was implemented mm. um, and then in 1996 when Ramos became the president mm. that's where actually the 1996 final peace agreement happened with the MNLF as you may know that's the time when uh, uh, when um, Normi Suwari became the governor of, of the arm, concurrently also the, the chairman of the SOPAD. Uh, SOPAD is Southern Zone for Peace and Development in Mindanao. So that's SOPAD. That's why many are saying that the late Fidel V. Ramos was very clever in that he was able to somehow implement 
the part of the Tripoli agreement to somehow appease Misuari mm. um, and um, for him to cooperate with the national government. And so mm. he became the concurrent chairman of the SOPAD, uh, uh, sorry, the SPCPB. Um, so these are administrative or political bodies that were created. And, you know, he, uh, listeners, you can Google these institutions. As you can see, uh, there are a lot of um, uh, issues uh, why uh, the, the SOPAD failed, why the 1990s Final Peace Agreement really was not the, co was not the conclusion of the GRP uh, Bank Samoro Peace Deal. And so in 1997, later on, when uh, Arab became president, you know, when there was already the low-level peace talk with the MILF because MILF mm. uh, was the splinter group of the MNLF. There was mm. already that low-level peace talk. Uh, you know that in 2000, uh, even though there was already the uh, peace process um, to continue with the with the um, uh, what do you call this with the unfinished agreement mm. between the um, government of the Philippines and the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, Arab declared all out war. What what we're seeing here is that there's always a detour. Mm. Um, the peace processes, the conflict transformation track, the conflict management that we have that we have in Mindanao is not a linear process. Mm. So if you really wanted to understand why this kind of setup now in the barn, it's because it's a product of a long, arduous, daunting task of all actors, multiple actors, mm. yes, including... Um, non-moro ips who's mm. been very supportive of the of the moro movement mm -hmm. um and even even actually the communist group you know uh, there was mm. this um part of the narrative where uh of course nor misuari uh was then a student of up and part of this uh, leftist group called uh kabataang um makabayan yes yeah. kabataang makabayan and he's a good friend with joma season and mm. the founder of the ctp and and so you could see how this ideologue ideological figures later on really become so instrumental in trying to materialize this this um legitimate grievances of their people and so and so norm misuari and later on salah tashim who founded the malf which is now uh the the uh, um um founded you know this um islamist group um uh, that is now the government of the day in barm did not happen overnight and so in and to cut the long story short, in 2012, the framework agreement on the Bank Samoa, this time with the, uh, with, uh, the late President Noinoy Aquino, you can see also how you see our, our peace processes is very much entrenched to our dynastic politics in the Philippine mm -hmm. North. And, and that's another layer of issue. Like yes. when we talk about the peace processes in Mindanao, you know, there are still the national actors that decides the fate of Mindanao. And that's quite sad. So, um, mm -hmm. and then the framework agreement on the Bank Samoro is very, very important because the 10-point agenda talked about the need really. That's where the, that's, that was the first time in Philippine history where the Philippine government, the representative of the majority have recognized the distinct identity of the Bank Samoro people mm. as a shared but a distinct identity that uh, has their own history of struggle, and we should recognize that. Hence, mm -hmm. the new government that is autonomous shall be known as Bangsamor. Mm -hmm. 
Because in the 1970s, bangsamoro um, is actually a, a term for a pejorative, you know, and the majority mm. would say they are terrorists. They mm. are warmongers. They are troublemakers. Mm. And especially now with the millennials, Filipino millennials and the Gen Zers, they still are a bit confused about, mm. you know, Moros are not Filipinos, really? How is this so? We, we live on the same soil. We, live on, mm. we have the same passport. But, you know, the nuancing of it mm. is very, very important. And as an educator, I see the need to really not do it in just like, Okay, one one shot because you cannot finish this in even in once in a one semester course. Mm -hmm. You know, in mm -hmm. MSU system, we have this fundamentals of peace education, and one of the topics that we discussed is Mindanao history, mm -hmm. and um, and 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 uh, particularly on how the Bangsamoro struggle came into being, and this is one of the largest, longest conflict that we have in the whole world. You know, and up until now, even if we have already the peace deal mm. in 2019, when we have finally the, the Philippine the Philippine Muslims ratify the Bangsamoro Organic Law, doesn't guarantee that we no longer have conflicts, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's still a lot of law intensity conflicts and you read it in the news. Mm -hmm. That's why... Uh, we're just resolving our conflicts peacefully, but until and, and then there is this national conversation about mm. why there is this Mindano conflict. Why is there is this Filipino Moro nexus? What? Mm. How? How did it all started? And um, wh wh why do we need to really forgive each other? You know, mm. and look at each other in the face and say, "Hey, we're not an enemy of each other." Mm. It's a product of our unfortunate colonial history and we should come to terms, make amends, mm. and understand our history as a people. Peoples with S. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Hmm. Yes. No, lang. Uh, I think just to sum up uh, this one, I would like to ask this question. So what are the fundamental differences between the mm. ARMM and the BARM? Mm -hmm. What okay. are the fundamental differences? Okay. First is... I would say that the BARM right now is much more comprehensive mm. in as much as in the ARM, Autonomous Region in Muslim Mindanao, that mm. it practically um, zooms into the Muslims' um, politics, you know, mm. and how really we try to, um, to give an affirmative or at least a positive bias um, for our Muslim uh, brothers and sisters. Mm. But in the negotiated uh, BARM, as you can see, it's Bangsamoro Autonomous Region in Muslim mm. Mindanao. It's still, of course, the, 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 M, the, the government of the day is, of course, uh, MILF-led. It's Muslim-led. But we mm. put premium importance on the need for the new government to be inclusive, mm. meaning that it's not just the Muslims, Bangsamoro Muslims that will mm. define the region but the whole broader constituency that includes the indigenous people, the Christian settlers, mm. um, and, and the rest of those who ascribe to the Bangsamoro identity. Because under the, under the BOL, mm. the Bangsamoro is via ascription. So it's, mm. really, it's really that kind of, of uh, mm. ascription to the moral struggle. And another one, Borch, and yeah. perhaps this, this is the... The, the the great distinction is that it's the first time and probably mm. it's really a very hybrid peace process. I think it's the only original government in whole of Asia that is parliamentary in form under a 
uh, what is presidential unitary uh, of uh, a country. Oh. So the Philippines is still presidential unitary, mm. but the regional government has an asymmetrical relationship because mm. it has a parliamentary form of government. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Actually, I have this other question. Of course, you mentioned mm -hmm. that there were a lot of, again, well, a lot of these names like Nurmiswad and groups mm -hmm. like uh, MNLF have reached public, like national consciousness. And of course, they, they weren't always the best representatives of Muslim Mindanao. So mm -hmm. I was wondering, can you explain maybe um, and describe the relationship between these groups and popular sentiment? Like, did they properly represent the sentiment of the average Muslim Mindanao? And of course, maybe you can tell us a bit like what is the public sentiment of the current um, setup like mm. you, you just described like are they happier now like did they solve mm. problems or not really like what do you think yeah uh martin borch i also would like to nuance the cultural practice of how democracy is defined in philippine south Mm. particularly in Muslim Mindanao. Like say, for example, you know, way before the Philippine state, we, all, we are already thriving in what is known as mini-states or sultanates. Mm. Mm. Um, so, of course, now in Southeast Asia, we have the longest surviving sultanate, that's Brunei, right? Uh, mm. Islamic uh, 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 state of Brunei. Um, and we, we are actually... Um, Historically, historically, we trace our lineage to the larger maritime Asia of Nusantara, as so, you know, the Malay connection. That is why mm. Bangsa Moro is a Malay term. Bangsa is nation, so yeah. Moro nation. Yeah. Um, so that when we talk about democratization in BARM, you know, because in a, in a parliamentary system, it has to be democratically uh, principled political parties, right? That should mm -hmm. really be mature enough to say that parliament, parliamentary form of government works. Now, here the, here's the bitter pill in the Bank Samoro. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, we are still pretty much ruled by this, um, well, I don't want to use the word feudalistic institutions because <laughs> <laughs> our elders might say, uh, <laughs> come on, Yash, that's too harsh. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, so there's still that hierarchical institution. Okay. So say, mm. for example, when we talk about Maranao politics, we mm. have this so we have mm. this sultanates, we have this, um, and oftentimes, you know, um, the elected leaders are also traditional leaders. Mm. So their their voice, um, because they are they they are they are powerful and they are influencer, they shape the narrative of the community. Mm. Their voice is said to be the voice of the community. Mm. So for them, that's how that's how um, you know, like when you talk about democracy in a western sense it's mm. very very different mm. um and and so another thing is that so you know in a way how would i explain this like there is some sort of um inner contradiction i'm saying mm. this because um the moral communities well in a marana because i'm a marana by ethnicity by mm. the way um mm. and of course um there's also this sultanates of magindanao and of course mm. the the very the first sultanate mm. in sulu that's the cradle of islamization in philippine mm. south mm. and so you would hear of course i mean there was this controversial issue now of the uh, of the uh, that French arbitration where the ears mm. of the Sultan, the Malaysian government uh, owed right a certain yeah, yeah, billion yeah. dollars of money, recently. and so mm. recently, and so there's a lot of um, uh, what you call this uh, issues, you know, surrounding the 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 Mindanao peace process. Mm. Um, 
and and that well we have this uh, cultures of traditional mm. institutions we have this cultural uh, values of um customary laws the igma authority for example mm. in maranao so we called it our we we revere um consensus and order mm. so it's very southeast mm. asian right it's very mm. asian so we when we settle our conflicts we leave mm. it to our elders we mm. leave it to those whom we think are far more knowledgeable in terms mm. of our cultural practices mm. so in a moral in a moral society our democratic um strength is vouch on our practice of harmony so meaning that we mm. settle conflicts among ourselves so we do mm. not uh, actually um use much of the regular justice the system, system. Yeah. the court mm-hmm. system you're yeah. right uh Borge, yeah. no so that so that's something on the other hand when we speak about the 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 cultural marker of moral mm. society is our being muslims mm. so in 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 among muslim society among muslims we have this um uh, islamic virtue of consultative leadership mm. you see mm. so in 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 a layman's term it's called our leaders our leaders should be consultative mm. that is why we have this concept of deliberative democracy we call it mashwara mm. meaning public consultations everything that we do should mm. be subjected to community consultations and as you can mm. see in the news right now the MILF is actually conducting consultations across mm. the bar mm. so wow. they do it here in Lanao in Malabang yeah. there's also mm. one in Sulu and also in Basilan mm. um because they are consulting the people about this transition of MILF from revolutionary movement to a social mm. movement to a political mm. movement mm. of course they have this political party called United Bangsamoro Justice party hmm. so that's that's something that we can also say that um so come on there's this sort of like a contradiction right mm-hmm. so on the other hand we still subscribe to our cultural identity to this mm. sultanate you know the hierarchy of institutions and power mm. of who's got uh, whose decisions or who mm. get to decide the fate of the community but on the other hand we mm. also have this growing you know um muslim community that would say mm. you know everything that we do it has to be consultative mm. where the community know their affairs better so there has to yeah. be that consultation and MILF is proud to mm. say they're doing public consultations mm. with that regard yeah and i think that that can be traced during muhammad's time i mean yes such practices exactly. are you know in, in, inherent with the islamic political history so mm. and now i am not surprised why the elites in manila doesn't like <laughs> exactly they don't wow. want such practices to expand that's why they, they you know did you know probably unconsciously they know what uh Muslim notions of democracy may entail. That's why quite progressive, huh? <laughs> yeah, quite progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, of course. Uh, I think it's progressive in a sense that uh, there are still traditional uh, structures in place. So and again, yes. there yeah. are there are mm-hmm. better spaces for you know public consultation. And again, mm-hmm. politicians yes. in Manila and in the north are afraid of such things. Yeah, <laughs> most mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, and that is very interesting. You know? So, so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, actually, it's interesting to think that. Um, well, Islamic societies, while represented as yeah. again a bit backward, now here it's actually yeah. more democratic than most, actually. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even in comparison, I don't know. Maybe you can answer this. Maybe, uh, maybe you can tell us more about what makes uh, 
uh, Muslim Mindanao and Filipino Muslims a bit different from Islam and the rest of the world. Like, because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Islam is like was one whole same civilization, but clearly, yeah. yeah. So, what separates Filipino Muslims from yeah. Islam ever else? Yeah, it's 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 clear that Islam Islam is a monolith is a monolithic religion. Same with Christianity, mm. right? And, mm. and and Judaism. They are Abrahamic Abrahamic religions. Yeah. So we believe right. the, the belief in one God. Mm. Um but but at the same time Muslims are not monolith. Hmm. So and that is why I always say, you know, I've learned this in my um in my madrasa school. You know, I hmm. I I I also had my Islamic education. I did I didn't ended up being a terrorist, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I'm an <okay>. educator. <laughs> so it's high glad. time that it's high time that uh, you know uh, everyone should um uh, you know at least hmm. the majority should see Muslims as not mere artifacts mm. <laughs> you know mm. a thing yeah. of the past um, maybe that's also with uh, as i've said you know the lack mm. of uh, of uh, of social en- engagement or mm-hmm. uh, lacking knowledge about um the presence of uh, of uh, filipino muslims mm. who by the way are excelling in their own field and mm. um and and so you know that's just uh, but, but the narrative is that they are terrorists, they are troublemakers, and of course, mm. that's deeply, deeply hurtful, right? Um, mm-hmm. n- more than just politically, but emotionally, mm. and you can just see the the impact of that in in mm. our in our community. But anyway, to answer your question about, um, so definitely when you speak about um Filipino Muslims, it comprises of at least in mm. the in in the literature at least thirteen ethno-linguistic tribes 13. so 13 so you, so you have right now um the three politically dominant groups you have the magindanaons uh the tausugs uh the people of the current um the people of the flooded plains the magindanaons mm. the maranaos the people of the lake that's where i belong mm. of course the sama de laut um uh, uh the the or their 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 uh, moniker uh, they're known as um, the Bajau. Mm. By the way, there's also Bajaus in in Indonesia, mm. and you know, and they really live uh, near the coast. And so mm-hmm. it's not like you know, and and the Bajaus that we have here in the Philippines are actually the ones who were displaced by uh, wars happening mm. in Philippine South. So you have the Samabangingi, the Jamamapun, the Kulibugan, um, mm. um, uh, the Kagan, um the mulbog palawani no mm. and 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 there's more um sangir um so you can you can see how um this different uh, ethnolinguistic groups mm. are also having their own sets of cultures mm-hmm. so they have their own um uh, dances mm. and songs and um and beautiful um uh, way of um dressing up Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, um, they play instruments, and and that is that is also something that we can say that among Muslim communities, they also have their local cultures. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how unique Muslim mm-hmm. Filipinos are, or Filipino mm-hmm. Muslims are. You know, right now that mm-hmm. we do have. I mean, uh, in terms of our um, uh, how we express our culture, we. Mm-hmm. We have different languages, you know. Mm. Maranao speak Maranaos, Magindanao speak Magindanaos, and so that language is uh, basically um, a, 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 a marker of culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it, 
and also when we speak about uh, our um, cultural attires mm. you know and, and and our symbols but at the same time you can you can actually locate the differences by also tracing the the similarities mm. so like for example one of the um uh, of the cultural symbol that you could observe in in Mos in Moro communities is the is the uh, cultural symbol of um, the the musical instruments that is present mm. in other Southeast Asian communities, Muslim majority countries like mm. Indonesia, Malaysia, Brunei, mm. and even in Singapore where there mm. are also uh, Singaporean Muslims. Um, mm. The presence, for example, of gong. Mm -hmm. You know, when when you do um, uh, festivities or kolentang, mm. yeah. so that beautiful ensemble or the mm. symbol of sari manuk. Mm, right and yeah. also the the lanket which is also mm. that beautifully woven design in every Moro clothing particularly mm. the Maranaos we have that mm. lanket um, um if if our sayang lang no we cannot show our viewers but it's pretty much all in google now mm -hmm. um you see like how beautiful and also the food like yeah. we have different way of mm. uh, um like cooking our sweets for example mm. um mm. but but pretty much when you go to um, Moro communities, then you would experience mm. the best hospitality, just like just like we share with our Filipino brothers and sisters mm. in the north. Like, you know, mm. we love to host festivities. When we have visitors, we would really prepare for them. And so mm. food is something that we can all agree on. That's the mm. best form of love that we can mm. that we can mm. actually, that's the best form of peacemaking. Mm. And so um even in the kind of food that we have, there are, there are also different kind of food. You know, if you, mm. Borge and Matt, happen to visit Mindanao again, particularly mm. in Warm, then we'll go to Cotabato City and practically mm. you would see a lot of more cuisines and you would really mm. enjoy wow. it. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, the halal cuisines there. Yeah, well, that would <laughs> Wonderful. be a good invitation. Yes. I think in one of our Twitter spaces, uh, I actually said, we'll just adobo. So, <laughs> adobo. But you know, uh, you know I, I don't know if you would agree with this, Yasmir, but uh, yeah. listening, listening to your summary of uh, the complexities of uh, mm -hmm. again the more communities, I can see Muslim Mindanao right now. I can understand it more as a microcosm of our natural condition at this point. Mm. Now that exactly. we are also, like, yeah. yeah, we are a nation with different ethno-linguistic groups trying to mm -hmm. you know sort things out. <laughs> Mm. And uh, yeah, and Muslim Mindanao is a, it's a good microcosm of you know uh, how it can work and probably what are mm -hmm. the limitations that it can face. Mm -hmm. so, right. so yeah, actually, well, it's also I'm trying to also map out, and I think mm. that when most people when say people say Muslim countries, you'd think mm -hmm. th things like Saudi Arabia where they're a bit more conservative. You have Iraq, you yeah. have uh, Afghanistan, uh, and then we have a bit more pluralistic societies. And yeah. a bit more progressive well i don't know um no, I, I uh, think, like uh, yeah, yeah like, arab nations they're they're a bit more homogeneous ethnically yeah, speaking yes and we're a bit more pluralistic but yeah. also yeah how would you describe of course the political values of uh, muslim mm -hmm. Indians? are they also conservative or are they also mm -hmm. a bit more progressive or a bit what's the mix or like where do they stand in that spectrum uh politically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's in that's an interesting question um I mean, like, I, I don't have the empirical data to show, like, how to locate mm. Moro. Because as I've said, you're right mm. to point out that the Moro groups in the Philippines are very, very heterogeneous. Mm. Um, and, and in fact, the, the the challenge now really is, like, there there has been this um, 
what do you call this um like this social schism uh mm. like i think it's present in all practically in all revolutionary groups for example mm. uh, the presence of internal dynamics within the movement and in the case of the bangsamoro the the ethno ethnic rivalries you know like mm -hmm. right now um the uh, the, the, the more uh, the, there is this perceived bias um uh, of the Maguindanao-led uh, MILF um, mm. and that the, the, that the government of the day, in fact, the newly mm. reconstituted uh, BTA, by the, by the way, the newly reconstituted Bangsamoro Transition Authority uh, took oath last Friday. <laughs> so mm. that was also, mm. yeah. And, and so many have noticed that there were more Maguindanaons and of course, there were addition of MNLF um, mm. appointees. Um, uh, there's... There's the daughter of Miswari and his son, I guess, two Miswaris, mm. and also his spokesperson, Parikasho. Um, mm. And so there, so there was this addition, which I think is is good, if only to say that MNLF and MILF were really historically just one, you know. Um, mm. and they, they all fought for the same struggle of right to self-determination for mm. the Moro people with the Bangsamoro people. And so really, I think um, what's um, quite clear right now mm. is um, that um, it's, 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 I can say that and to be fair with my um, fellow Moro brothers and sisters, that historically were quite politically progressive in a way, mm -hmm. um, because you know uh, our ancestors have have fought hard to mm. mean, to keep their you know this is how they it's written in history books mm. to uh, fight against all forms of colonialism to mm. secure their mm. agama their religion which is islam mm. their territory which is the historically uh minsupala and of course their way of life their culture mm. um and so that uh their identity you know as mm. as uh, indigenous people and so when they embrace islam also um they they, they see that um it it wasn't islam that wasn't forced on them you know, it was the Malaysian traders who introduced Islam. Mm. They 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 don't need to fight against the traders, mm. and so mm. that's that's I think uh, I could say that historically, um, our 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 uh, Moro um people, the the Bangsamoro people mm. are quite progressive mm. in as much as they also really fought for. Um, a more inclusive Philippine society mm. um, that they also uh, fought alongside their IP brothers and sisters in terms of the systematic discrimination against mm. the um, against the neo-colonial Philippine government mm. um, and they they really you know the Imperial Manila um, mm. that that decide you know the fate of uh, those minority populations. Mm. Um, and also, if you look at the figures like uh, Nur Miswari, uh, Salamat Hashim, mm. um, and uh, and um, uh, I, I should think of a uh, uh, Princess Tarhata Lokman, who, who's who was, of course, I'm thinking of a of a female uh, of a Moro female um, mm. uh, 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 group. Uh, sorry, personality because Moro women also played a significant role mm -hmm. in um, inspiring the the Moro group to to really uh, fight to mm. continue the fight for uh, for uh, autonomy. And mm. while there were unsung heroines in the moral struggle, it's really even recognized, you know, in the 
in the in one of the speech of MNLF Executive Council of mm. uh, Muslim in Sema, um, mm. uh, another splinter group of MNLF who said that the inspiration and the motivation of the of the moral struggle was the Moro women who fought hard side by side with the, with the Moro men in the name of freedom and in the name of the right to self-determination. So I think that kind of, mm. um, of uh, recognition of the meaningful participation of women and clearly in the BOL, mm. there was also this recognition where um, there's a, there should be one reserved seat of uh, one reserve seat for women in the parliament mm. other wow. than the need other than the need for example to mm. to ensure that uh, in in the formation of political parties there should be women participants mm. uh, or or members in order for that political parties to be accredited by the mm. Bagsamoro electoral office so th these are some of the new ones you know that i yeah. could say that you know, I could say that the BOL reflects the moral culture, mm. right? The Bangsa moral culture and their mm. and their um and their yearning for a kind mm. of um sustainable development that mm. also that also reflects the national longing of, mm -hmm. of every Filipino yeah. um uh citizen. Yeah. No, I, I think you know, as you have summarized what separates, you know, what makes Muslim Indian a bit progressive. Mm -hmm. Or a tad or a good measure progressive is you no, know, we go back to Matt's old question, which is what's the difference mm -hmm. between uh, Muslims here in the Philippines with Muslims in other mm -hmm. countries? And I would like to extend that with, with I think, a comment regarding public mm -hmm. discourse on our Muslim brethren. I mm -hmm. think those who are not familiar with this, with these tendencies, with these developments, mm -hmm. they're not familiar because they have settled with a lens built on the experience of Muslim countries abroad. You know, they're they're looking yes. at they're looking at Filipino Muslims, uh, by referring to the experience of Muslims in other countries, and mm -hmm, to an extent mm -hmm. they they have relatively more you know uh, conservative and traditional and you know, relatively closed systems in other countries. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I think I I don't know if you would agree with this, but if we want to uh, expand further, uh, you know, further mm -hmm. inform our our fellow our fellow citizens about what makes Muslim Indian unique then we yeah. must, of course, do our best to try to sever, you know, such misconceptions that mm. Muslims here in the Philippines are the same <laughs> with yeah. Muslims mm -hmm. abroad. So, they're very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're they very different. Yeah. In yeah. great ways, actually. I'm very much impressed, like, especially with the, the gender aspect. A lot of yeah. people expect that women are, like, because they wear the headscarves yeah. and all mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's repressive, but not at all. You're just mm -hmm. proud of your culture, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to, I mean, of course, this, there's, it's gone through a long way. It has a long history and, and mm. you've achieved mm. so much. But I do want to ask, though, maybe right now, what are the more pressing issues of Muslim Mindanao and maybe mm. what more needs to be done with regards to like in development or in politics? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, to reiterate, no, the, the, the question that was also um, uh, raised by Borch, no, and you also, Matt, um, for one, uh, what differentiates Muslim uh, Filipinos, you know, or Bangsamoro Muslims um, from the rest of other Muslims uh, in the global community is that mm. we have this homegrown movement mm. of of a revolutionary group who did not succumb to extremist mm. propaganda. 
that the, the that the Bangsamoro revolutionary groups from the Bangsamoro Liberation Organization and then to the Moro National Liberation mm. Front and then the and then the Moro Islamic Liberation Front have a built-in mechanism mm. to really include their people in mm. the fight against uh, systematic marginalization. And for that, mm. I could say that they were quite democratic. Um, there mm. was this book by um, attorney Michael Mastura, you know, mm -hmm. who was actually part of the drafter of the 1987 constitution, um, uh, who said, in, in, and, and I quote him in that book, um, uh, that the quest for uh, the moral right to self-determination, the birth of mm. the MALF. And he said that, if only people would know how the MILF leadership fought hard so that the MILF would not um, be, would not succumb to the militant, um, mm. uh, um, militant kind of propaganda that is happening in the Middle East and North Africa, mm. you know, the MENA region. Yeah. And, and and you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, There's yes, also yes, yes. this kind of sectarianism. Mm. And that is what is what separates or what is unique about the Muslim uh, Muslims here in the Philippines is that mm. we were able to somehow preserve our identity in a way mm. um, that local cultures are still uh, very much part of our daily life. And so in terms of, you know, like the, the Marawi phenomenon, yes, that's, that's another mm. thing. That's a whole another story. But I would say that since the, since the um, rebellion of the Muslims mm. in the Philippine South in the 1970s, before that, if we really wanted to understand how Philippine Muslims shape uh, Philippine society, mm. we need to decolonize our narratives of how we see Muslim Mindanao and her people. Mm. That we need to see them as, um, as an amalgamation of identities, mm. um, that they have their own set of unique histories, how they fought the colonizers, mm. how there was this um, cons uh, how there was this untold alliances because mm. you know there's this treaty of uh, treaty uh, Carpenter's agreement, treaty of Bates, mm. um, the, the 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 one we entered into by Kiram and the American um, uh, uh, colonizers. There's a lot of untold stories, and we need to untangle this so that mm. we do not get drowned with uh, the com with how everything is just about the the top-down approach the peace process. There are everyday mm. narratives that will make us understand how the Muslim Mindanao, how the Bangsamoran Muslims were able to sustain the struggle, mm. you know, and, and now their larger battle for Philippine democratic institution building has come into fruition because they, mm. have, they now have the barm parliamentary system. And so here comes now, you know, the proceeding to the question of math about what are the pressing issue. Really, the most important issue that is shared with the rest of every of every Filipino and Filipina is actually the issue mm. of addressing patronage politics. Mm. The issue of of, uh, of of patronage, you know, the issue of clientelistic politics, mm -hmm. uh, the issue of bossism is not only, you know, in fact, uh, you're right, Borch, when you see that mm. the Muslim Mindanao is actually a microcosm of mm. national politics mm -hmm. in the Philippines. Like, if you want to talk about dynastic politics, well, you cannot yeah. separate it for, <laughs> with the with, with what is happening in the barn. Right? In the recently concluded elections, if the 
if the uh, parliamentary elections of the BARM took place supposedly as planned in the, as, as it is in the law, but but thank mm. God that the BTA was extended and for another three years. So the Bangsamoro uh, parliamentary elections will happen in 2025. Mm. Then, then the parliamentarians in the BARM were mostly coming from clans and, and, and political <laughs> families. I don't think the MILF would have a seat, you know, so they would lose their political um, leverage in the in the mm. uh, transition. And we haven't yet talked about the normalization track, you know, not mm. all um, Bangsamoro Islamic Armed Forces, which is the which is the armed force of the MILF where uh, they commission, meaning uh, have mm. uh, put their weapons beyond use and because they haven't yet fully uh, transition into a social movement. So, mm. um, so people need to understand as well that we're having a parallel track. So we have the, the legal track, which is mm. the implementation of the Bangsamoro organic law. Um, and then we have the political track, which is mm. the harder battle because there are eight components of the normalization track. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's where you, you really uh, put um, that, it, that you make violence irrelevant because you are really saying that, you know, there are other ways of finding, of, of really uh, having your political objectives uh, be mm. achieved. And that, that's not just through violence. And so right now, that's the larger battle is to fight this patronage politics that mm. really cripples this institution mm. building that we have right now in yeah. BARM. So we don't have party uh, genuine political parties in the mm. Philippines. We do have a lot of political butterflies. Mm. And imagine that we don't have that in the bar. Well, because mm. obviously, how can we have something that we don't have at the national level? Mm. So there's still that uh, the institution building towards democratic institutions, mm. the formalizing of a lot of things in the bar. Um, there's a lot of economic activities in the barn, but it's, uh, mm. well, in the book of Pancho Lara, Shadow Economy, <laughs> how do mm. you tax this, uh, mm. this economic activities in the first mm. place? Mm. Um, so this illicit economy should, should, should really be addressed, you know, and mm. this is very structural and this needs structural um, uh, programs and, mm. and rule of law is very, very weak in, in the region, if mm. not to say that there is this presence of warlordism politics. Mm. Um, so like, for example, you have this uh, presence of dynasties and you have this, they have uh, militias mm. that also feeds into the shadow economy. So, mm. I mean, mm. if you come to think of it, if you really, uh, these are pressing issues, of course, mm. not to mention the Ridos or the family feud. Thank mm. God we have the newest ministry. This is something also that unique in the barn because in the mm. previous arm, there is no Department of Peace, uh, 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 Public Safety and Order. Oh. Now in the in the barn, you have this newest ministry, mm. Ministry of Public Order and Safety. Mm. Um, MPOS, that, and one of its flag, flagship program is alternative dispute resolution. What is also unique in the BARM right now is um, the recognition of the of the need to have an uh, uh, IPA code, Indigenous mm. Peoples uh, Code, because in the previous arm there was no IPRA. There was, uh, no, okay. there was no law that protects the right of indigenous people, although we mm. have the Ipro law, but there was mm. no 
original counterpart because they did not enact an, an IP mm. um, IP uh, MEPA, no, uh, sorry, mm. IP code. Also, here in the barn, there's this Ministry of Indigenous Peoples Affairs, the MIPA, mm. that takes care of the rights and concerns, issues and concerns of the indigenous uh, people. Mm. Um, so they, so there's just there's a lot. Of course, very very importantly. There could never be genuine political autonomy without genuine fiscal autonomy. So mm. unlike in the arm where they are, they're like a regular LGU where they need to defend mm. their budget. Mm -hmm. Now in the barn, because they, they have greater political power, greater uh, autonomy um, with fiscal autonomy. So they now have an automatic um, fiscal uh, financial allocation or fiscal mm. um, uh, power with the through the block grant. So the block grant mm. is um, mm. basically an automatic appropriation to the from the national to the local government that is needed to for the region to catch up. Other no, than yeah. the block yeah. grant, for the mm. next 10 years, there would also be a special development fund. So yeah. there is this recognition really of economic marginalization. Yeah. You no, know, and and hence the need to really allow yeah. for a more uh uh uh, a more fiscal yeah. powers um, to be exercised with the regional government. Yeah. So the, the, there's a lot of um, gains now in the BARM. Of course, very, mm. very importantly in terms of territorial jurisdiction, the ARM compound before, the seat of ARM mm. government was in Cotabato, but Cotabato mm. City is not part of ARM before. Mm. Now, the additional territory that was that was um, won through the plebiscite is Cotabato City, mm. And of course, the 63 barangays of North Cotabato province. Mm. Yeah. So Im Im imagine the, the, <laughs> the, the, the political and administrative struggle of that mm. 63 barangays mm. belonging to different municipalities, Tabacan, <clears throat> Aliusan, mm. Carmen. So this, this 63 barangays are actually in the RA 1954, the expanded arm, they voted yes to the plebiscite. Mm. And so in the in the BUL, if they if they uh, voted yes, then they would form part of the expanded territorial jurisdiction of the barn, mm -hmm. except for the six municipalities of Lanao del Norte, where mm. during the public deliberation in the in the in the Congress, mm -hmm. no less than the representative of Lanao del Norte province, Cali de Maporo, said. That okay, because he's part of the committee on local government, I think that that mm. secured, of course, uh, the, mm. the, the BOL said, I'm going to vote yes, but there has to be a double majority vote. Mm. So, what is meant by double majority vote? Meaning that the six municipalities of Lenao del Norte mm. can uh, be included in the Bangsamoro territory if the mother unit, meaning the province of Lenao del Norte, mm will have a majority vote uh, for in favor of the BOL. Mm. Plus, the, obviously, the traditional politicians, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the dynasty in Lanao, mm. Del Norte specifically would say they have adopted it as a matter of policy statement that mm. they don't want the vision. And according to them, the six municipalities, if they will join the BARM, it would be like some sort of a division. And then mm. the now the Norte would become a buffer zone. And so mm. apparently the six, the six municipalities lost because mm. in the province of Lanao del Norte, uh, the, the majority vote was actually a no. But the mm. yes vote, as expected, 
won in that in that six municipality. So huh. there mm. you can see how it was really a very difficult battle. Mm. And now, you know, if you are a student of public administration and governance, mm. you would see how difficult it is to manage a non-contiguous territorial autonomous region. Yeah. Mm. And, and right? it's also are, yeah, you, yeah. are you mapping that down in magic? Yeah, right. Oh and I'm looking Not at to the mention map. the basulta. Yeah, I'm looking at the Barms map right now. So, yeah, it's it's very difficult. And, and going back to the issue of fiscal autonomy, when you mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, supposedly during the AAA agreement, it may it, it could have been bigger. Yes, it could have been bigger. So, uh, yes. fiscal autonomy fiscal autonomy can only be achieved if uh, you have major economic centers. And uh, exactly. I think I think let me clarify this. Just clarifying question. Uh, does BARM, does it have any significant economic centers that can mm-hmm. sustain it? Yes. I mean, with regard to energy generation, mm. Mm. Um, and also there is this uh, potential, um, uh, uh, what do you call this, uh, um, oil reserve oh. in... Uh, in the Sulu, in the Moro Gulf, because mm. they're in, in the in the normalis in the uh, comprehensive agreement on the Banks of Moro, mm. one of the annexes is the joint cooperation on Banks of Moro waters. Th- mm. This is also something unique, because mm. under the under the uh, defunct arm, there was no mention, there was no co-management in terms of the Banks of Moro waters. But mm. now it is clear. In mm. terms also of wealth sharing. So there's a lot of industries in the BARM region mm. where there's really a lot of economic resources to mm. harness. Mm. So right now, the origin in, in the previous arm, it's um 70-30. Mm. Now it's 75-25 in favor of the Bank Samoro government. So mm. the the grant of uh, the black grant is not forever. Sabi nga nila walang mm. forever. Yeah. So hindi forever na isa subsidize ni national si ano Barb. si Barb. Kasi yeah. parang ano lang yan eh. Diba? So nagsasarili ka na. Dapat mm. may sarili ka ng kita. Diba? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Panindigan mo ang panindigotonomous mo. Ganon. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really good clarification. Thank you for that one. Kasi medyo, again, for our listeners here, uh, mm-hmm. they, may be, they may come in under the impression that Supposedly autonomous kayo, pero bakit? Pero kayong ano? Yes. Pero kayong block. Uh, Correct. Uh-uh. But yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. Actually, that's I'm still trying to digest all that because clearly there's still a lot to be done. And this leads yes. me to the yeah. next question, which is, uh, it, it sounds a bit, well, it, it kind of answers also this, this question, but maybe you can nuance that. That what What's the ideal relationship between the central government or Imperial Manila with mm-hmm. Muslim Mindanao because by the looks of it while you, mm-hmm. you said that there's a lot of good post, mm-hmm. like potential for democratic culture mm-hmm. and participation mm-hmm. you need a lot of institutionalization and institutional reform which yeah. can be provided by the gov- yes. central government so mm-hmm. does it need to be like a heavy-handed kind of reform like what do you think mm-hmm. what what needs what's the power relation that's necessary for to achieve that, like from mm-hmm. Imperial Manila and uh, mm-hmm. Muslim Mindanao, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, the the nature of the relationship between the central government and the regional government, as it was defined according to the BOL. Mm. RA11054 is asymmetrical. Mm. Now, in the word of uh, UP political science professor um, 
Miriam Colonel Ferrer, who also mm. uh, then was the chief negotiator of the of the uh, Philippine government, the, mm. the uh, panel, um, defined asymmetrical relationship as a kind of an federalized structure mm. between the central and the regional government, where the regional government as an autonomous government has more powers um, than that of a regular LGU. Mm -hmm. Because it needs to be emphasized um, because um, uh, I, I forgot to mention that uh, the, the, one of the milestones no, of, of the um, former Cory Aquino administration is the, is the provision of uh, autonomy no, in, in the constitution, in, mm. article, uh, in article 10 on local government where it was it was mentioned there no that um that there has to be an autonomous region in muslim mindanao small letters meaning mm. kasi pinaga, may, may legal contest pa kasi yan eh may uh, may ano pa may legal contest pa nga na is it constitutional that <laughs> the, that the bank samoro has actually a ministerial or it's a mm. parliamentary form of government under a presidential unitary government mm. right so that's yeah. really a case of its own right uh, but of course, legal luminaries like former Justice, um, uh, Supreme Court Justice Hilario Davide, and of mm. course, um, Supreme Court Associate Justice Marvick Leonin, who was also then part of the Philippine panel, uh, negotiating with the MALF, said that, that just like the CARP uh, law, mm. uh, and other, so the EPRA, for example, um, the, 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 the BOL, actually more than those because those are statutes the bol is an organic law it's a mm. social justice legislation and so it has to be considered it has uh, the liberality of the law mm. to serve the best interest of the people should be observed yeah. And so they were saying, so there were some legal, you know, I'm not a lawyer, mm. but if you read, um, Justice, Justice Leonin has this precedent that would say that, um, that um, there is a, it can be, it's, it, there, there's no legal obstacle, you know, to, mm. for the, for the uh, regional government to have a ministerial form, because anyway, though the, the executive um, uh, authority of the mm. Bangsamoro regional government is also elected. They're not mm. appointed because mm. uh, the, the executive authority, the so-called Bangsamoro um, uh, um, uh, chief minister and its deputy ministers and uh, ministries, um, they are they will be uh, uh, they will be elected by those directly elect, elected by the people by the mm. members of the parliament. So they were um, they were voted at large by the Bangsamoro constituents, and so those mm. were some of the of the new ones, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, it's also um, pretty much clear mm. that what should be uh, what should be very important to be strengthened now is the intergovernmental relations. Mm. So mm. the IGR, which is quite, it's in the arm, but it, it has no teeth. But right now, um, we uh, there is uh, this uh, so-called Bangsamoro uh, and Philippine Congress Forum. There is also, mm. a, so maraming mga in IGR, no? even yung Fiscal Policy Board, Sustainable mm. Development Board. So dapat may 
may close coordination diyan yung uh, central government at saka yung regional government mm. no um and meron din syempreng tinatawag na council of leaders so yung council mm. of leaders dahil sa uh, sa regional government pero tinatawag na ministry of interior and local government so yun yung mm. counterpart ng regional government sa DILG so the MILG is supposedly to also closely coordinate with all the city mayors uh, governors municipal mayors, mm. uh, uh, and the council of leaders. The council of mm. leaders, of course, include the traditional leaders okay. in the region. So may, may, may pagkilala din doon sa traditional source of authority. Mm. And of course, in the BARM, there is now what we call the strengthened role of Darul Ifta. Mm. So yung religious advisory ng, ng, ng BARM, especially mm. that merong, um, uh, that if both uh, parties are Muslim, then all cases will be tried against um in the in the sharia court although yeah. it should be clear also this is a matter of fyi then bortian mm. kasi yeah, yeah, yeah. this information na nagsi-circulate is that nako uh, ano na ano ito pugutan na ng uh, maghihijab na kay <laughs> yeah, yeah. mga muslim na oh. babae yeah, yeah. or bawal nang kumain ng pork sa barm areas mm. or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hindi, kasi yung, yung sharia, yung Islamic law, it will only apply among Muslims mm. at hindi mm. din magpuputulan na daw ng kamay uh-huh. at hindi din saklaw <laughs> ng sharia courts yung criminal kasi mayroon pa rin tayong mm. one revised penal code. Mm. So yung mga ganun na dapat din uh, na magiging, uh, sharia, magiging sharia, ano na to, Islamic state na daw si Barm, which is, mm. it's clear in the BUL that it remains to be a democratic, secular, regional yeah. government that mm. is pretty much part of the Philippine government. Because yeah. after all, the regional government is directly supervised by the mm. office of the president. So very, mm. very crucial yung relationship ni Malacanang at saka ni regional government kasi mm. yung president yung oversight committee at the end mm. of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, wow. that's that's one <laughs> necessary clarification. That's why I mentioned earlier on that you know public discourse most Filipinos look at Muslim Mindanao from the lenses of you know experiences mm. from other countries. And yeah again this exactly. is uh, we are a unique case uh, just for our listeners here. <laughs> yeah. At least now we're able to see a bit like with an actual genuine conversation at how it is in the ground. And this has been, a, yeah, I, I do uh, maybe want to, well, we're close to wrapping this up, but I'm curious, like, of course, maybe mm-hmm. you can tell us how has uh, Muslim Mindanao reacted to uh, um, the national elections? Because as you mm-hmm. clearly um, uh, laid out very detailed um, mm-hmm. that you have a lot of your own institutions, of course, a lot of it needs to be more institutionalized, you know, there's so yes. much to be, but uh, in, I was wondering, like, do they... What's the word? I mean, how invested were Muslim Mindanaoans in the elections, clearly? And mm-hmm. perhaps, of course, with the winners, say, for instance, like prominent mm-hmm. uh, people from, from Mindanao, like mm-hmm. Sara Duterte and yeah. Ro- Senator Robin Padilla. Is this, yeah. you, are, do you think this is a good thing for Mindanao? Or what What do you think? Like, what, what, what is the, the sentiment? <laughs> yeah. What do you think is the sentiment of Muslim Mindanao with the national elections and the results yeah. and the new emerging national players? Yeah, I think um, the, the, the 2022 national elections um, is among the most polarized uh-huh. <laughs> elections that we have ever you know, in, in, yes. in the country's Philippine uh, history uh, of 
Philippine contemporary history, mm. especially in, in a period of elections at that. As you can see, the MALF has endorsed Lenny mm. for the president. Um, but, of course, you also have the counter uh, endorsement from all the League of, Prov uh, of uh, Provincial Governors, save for save for um, Mujib Hataman, the pro provincial governor who, who was actually an LP member, who is an mm. LP member. And so, of course, he was not in the least. But other than that, uh, we know that um, the endorsement of traditional politicians mm. says a lot about the result of the elections because, mm. you know, it's like elections... Um, uh, we do have elections in the country, but as to if it's a free, fair, and competitive elections, <laughs> that's a different issue. <laughs> altogether, yes, exactly. So, um, so in Mindanao, if if it's like when you speak about elections, like it's still very much transactional. Mm -hmm. So it's not really like oh, you know I'm gonna vote for him or her because um he's got the best interest of mm -hmm. uh, my people at hand, mm -hmm. but you know it's still about. Of course, Robin Padilla, because you know he he's a very much a popular figure. Not only because not only for among the Muslims, not only because he's a Muslim convert, but because um, they would say, ah, yan yung yan yung idol kung artista, because <laughs> <laughs> he's a celebrity, you know. And then yeah. um, and then with regard to Sarah Duterte, well, um, it's in it's in the we know that she garnered mm. a higher vote than the than PBBM, right? Yeah. Um. So. She still enjoys the high trust rating of of uh, his uh, of her father, uh, the the former president Duterte. So mm -hmm. that's how, that's how I think uh, you know the uh, the it's it's very interesting how Filipinos who are known to really champion democratic values because we have it's a, a people power revolution that inspired a lot of. Um, of revolutions across the globe, but we do have also anti-democratic uh, attitudes, mm. right? Mm. <laughs> or we also patronize yeah. anti-democratic values, like um, how do you call this? Like um, you know, we 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 are oftentimes having this dilemma of like, ah, uh, gusto ko si Sarah kasi maangas, or like <laughs> she's an epitome of a strong-willed leader. Ganyan mm. dapat yung isang leader, no? Mm. May uh, matapang, no? Uh, at yeah. uh, no matapang siya. And you know, he's she's uh, her being a woman is not the gender lens did not play. He, mm. she, she's she's even uh, seen as the refined version of her father because oh, no. because um she she's not really um you know she's not cursing <laughs> and yet despite all uh her crass behavior you mm. know like punching a sheriff. Oh, wow. <laughs> just like uh sometimes also uh, being so um undiplomatic mm -hmm. um and and also mimicking her father the, mm. the, 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 you know many filipinos love that it's mm. not only in the philippine south mm. but you know there's also this uh, even this um this false alarm that she will be running as the president and not PBBM. PBBM will mm. just be uh, the vice president. So mm. the, those are like the inside stories that didn't make it to the headlines. But that mm. was really it. She did enjoy a popularity because of her father. And, mm. uh, you know, when you speak about Mindanao, it's a tale of contradictions. Mm. <laughs> so on the other hand, we fought for our right to be, to uh, 
yeah, self-determination or from the shackle of um, Filipino bandage, no, mm. as we perceive to be a uh, uh, continue continually um, uh, colonized by by the Imperial Manila, and yet, and yet, and I think, um, I mean, personally, what I also see, you know, mm. as a student of politics myself, is this: there is also this crisis of liberal liberal values in mm. in the country you know that oh. the failure of mm. the failure of you know many would say that the restoration of of uh of uh democracy also and with um Cory Aquino the liberal party has only restored elitist democracy and mm. actually a social kind of democracy where um the government would really work uh with the people and probably mm. they might have some very good uh, landmark policies like the like the CARP, right? Mm. The Comprehensive Agrarian Reform Program, but it 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 was you know it never really did materialize. So there were also a lot of um, of uh, frustrations during uh, during the succeeding administration post EDSA politics. That's that's mm. the usual narrative that mm. we hear here in Mindanao, even to those who are actually in the taxi drivers you know the mm. sidewalk vendors that's why they love duterte and mm. it did not um wane even though he's no longer the president and so when when it's um his daughter's turn to um run then uh they supported her mm. because it's because she's a duterte mm. yeah yeah, very interesting yep. stuff. Yeah, yep, clearly yep, yep. there's a land of contradictions even in the yeah, uh, and to the elections. Yeah, yeah. yeah as we have mm-hmm. as I said earlier, I think Muslim Indians microcosm of our national condition, including mm-hmm. the contradictions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. Yes, <laughs> like we're well in a way we're very different, but also very much alike in so many mm-hmm. ways. So it's mm-hmm. very, it's much more complex, and I, I really appreciate this more um, multifaceted view mm. of. Yeah, I've learned a lot in, in this. Um, maybe, uh, Borj, any final remarks before we let uh, Yasmira uh, have a concluding remarks? Yeah. Yeah, I think that just I think just to again thank you, Yasmira, for this you know really insightful rundown of what's happening in Muslim Mindanao. But you know, for our for our listeners, uh, again to an extent we are similar with our again our Muslim brethren and Muslim Mindanao. We have core similarities not only with our problems but with you know our cultural and historical ties. But I would like to emphasize the problems. So the problems they're facing, we're also facing it here. Yeah. So we're not that different with that case. But yeah. I think, you know, uh, what sets Muslim Mindanao distinct, what makes it distinct, is also what makes it distinct from Middle Eastern countries. So I think, you know, my mm-hmm. message to our listeners right now, again, if you want to learn more about, we need to learn more about Muslim Mindanao. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. if we want to learn more about it, then we need to, to an extent, drop any preconceived notions you know that we are looking at muslim mindanao from the lessons of from the lenses of middle eastern countries mm-hmm. so i and i also would partly blame the you know the culture or the experiences being passed down by OFWs from the middle east you know mm-hmm. let, letting it spread so i'm also partially blaming that one you know for for this mm-hmm. uh, you know misunderstanding but again let me reemphasize muslim mindanao is way different from uh, the middle east it's way different and we share more problems and you know more opportunities with them right now mm-hmm. uh, we can yeah. you know we, we need to pay more attention to so yeah, so yeah again thank you Yasmir, for this but so yeah actually besides about learning about them we should also mm-hmm. learn from them like yeah, i yeah. personally i am uh really surprised uh, well well not too surprised but more like uh, pleasantly 
Um, but I'm surprised, yeah, that uh, mm. there are actual like democratic practices of consultation mm. and, of course, diversity. I mean, there are there's even in, within Muslim and now there are like various groups within, and the fact that they're able to more or less like I'm, I'm well, it, it's not completely peaceful, I'm sure, mm. but the fact that they can form a group together and live in relative harmony is uh, very much. Uh, something that we should observe and learn from mm. and something that's mm. very different from any other Muslim uh, uh, society in the world, you know, and, and there's mm. a lot that we still do not know and that mm. we should have more conversations like this, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, let's not uh, focus too much on the new stereotypes you know, that <laughs> yeah, are yeah. played by that, you know, even in like movies have not even caught up, like the, even the mm. latest one by Rianti Mendoza, although by the way, Rianti Mendoza has always been a bit manipulative even in a lot of his <laughs> Uh, movies but Mindanao I think he tries yeah. to paint a complex picture but mm. again there's more to Mindanao than this so yeah. I, 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 would, are, I, yeah. I would seriously pay for a movie wherein they show Muslim warriors scaring the shit out of Spaniards and Americans Oh, that. <laughs> I, I would actually pay, pay good money for that yeah. I mean, they're already making a movie in like how Africans scared away what, Europeans. <laughs> Why not for Mindanao? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or even Americans. Yeah. Anyway, so any closing remarks to our listeners? Yes. Um, uh, after this yeah. talk to conclude. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt and and Borge for this very very um interesting and fun filled conversation. You know about a very difficult topic. Uh, but of course. Um, you know, when you talk about Mindanao and Bangsamoro, it, it's not just a research topic mm. for me. It's a journey of, mm. uh, of building a transformative society um, with the Filipino, uh, with mm. the rest of uh, Filipino uh, brothers and sisters. Mm. Um, in closing, no, um, I would like to invite everyone um, to actually search on that that very good film I forgot but it's basically filmed by one of the Moro um, filmmakers Eng um, oh. Mangan Sakan um, mm. he's actually the nephew of the late uh, MILF founder Hashim Salamat so oh. you may just look him up in the internet Teng Mangan Sakan. He has this mm. very good movie about the Moro struggle and the everyday narratives of the Moro uh, uh, of of the Moro people. Mm. Um, he's a Magindanao. Um, mm. If you really wanted to know about Muslim Mindanao, um, mm. go beyond the headlines. Mm. Um, do not believe everything that you read, see, and hear in social media. Mm. Um, filter information. Verify. 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 Um, in an age of information overload, there is mm. also this crazy deluge of data. Mm. And data does not speak by itself. Yeah. You need to make um, you, you need to make a sense of it. And here in information age, it's the insights that's actually the new currency. How do mm. you make sense of this? Um, is it logical? Is it fair? Is it something that that also, connect people and mm. and for me because as an as as, a, as an educator and sometimes i do not wear my hat per se as a political uh science uh, educator um mm. because there are really things that you know because politics is never neutral and so mm. as as a peace educator now you know because when you speak about mindanao i would rather mm. um i would rather speak about the 
the, the ties that binds between mm. um, Filipinos and Bangsamoro and that we share the same sky, we share mm. the same waters, the same mountains, and we are all brothers and sisters in the in our shared history of fighting all forms of oppression. Mm. And we need to make amends by forgiving our uh, ourselves, you know, and mm. we need to acknowledge the historical um, injustices mm. that, that did not happen at, to among the Moro people, but to the rest of us. Mm. We need to rewrite the history of Mindanao uh, and to weave it into the Philippine national narrative mm. in... Um, in a manner that is not prejudicial, mm. in a manner that is not only seen from the eye of someone from Manila, but you're right, Borch and Matt, mm. you know, in saying that you should also invite more Mindanaoans, Muslims, Christians, indigenous people to tell our stories in the mm. national narrative without that judgmental uh, look, you know, mm. or without that filtered um, uh, uh, with with prejudice already that, mm. you know, coming from Mindanao, is there a war there or is mm. it safe to go there? I invite mm. you to be here in Mindanao and mm-hmm. you're very welcome and, I'm, and I mm. would volunteer to be your tour guide. Wonderful. Uh, come Wonderful. and visit in Mindanao because the best teacher is actually experience. Maraming maraming salamat po and hope you enjoy listening to this. Yeah, oh, maraming wow. maraming salamat, Yasmira. Yeah. That was a wonderful last yeah, message. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that was a great discussion. But uh, let's move now on for uh, our last segment, which is recommendations. So in case uh, this you want to learn more about Mindanao, uh, we're going to recommend a few additional materials. Mm-hmm. I think Yasmir mm-hmm. already did a bit more... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. did some recommendations, but we're going to recommend a few more, especially with our uh, partnering sponsor, the Ateneo University Press, which of mm-hmm. course has agreed to give us a code, to a uh, discount code, you know, for their books. Mm-hmm. And of course, the books mm-hmm. that we are promoting right now, at least the ones that uh, I have uh, read in preparation for this episode, one of them mm-hmm. is entitled Orthodoxy and History in the Muslim Mindanao Narrative by Pratish Abinales. Uh, of course, he is a historian who uh, written a lot about the Philippines, but spe- uh, written specifically about Mindanao. And of course, uh, it kind of touches a lot on what we've discussed here, namely, on the one hand, that uh, the people who have fought for Mindanao, of course, don't want, not necessarily want the same things. Some of them want more, or like mm. more extreme. The other one is a bit more moderate. And sometimes they're also, it, it touches on the things like elite politics, where at one point they, while they forward the interests of Mindanao, also they sometimes hinder. So it's a very complex, well, gray history of like elites in Mindanao changing and affecting the history of, of the region, which is things that we still don't know, but at least Patricia Benales, it's a bit old, but he nuances a lot of the even older questions that a lot of scholars failed to do. So he, he it's a nuancing book. And another one he also written by Patricia Benales is... Um, Making Mindanao, uh, Cotabato and Davao in the formation of the Philippine nation state, which focuses on uh, these two regions. And I think uh, Ateneo Press just released uh, an expanded edition uh, last 2020, just before the pandemic. So you can feel free to check out that latest edition. It's an old book, but again, they expanded it. And lastly is one very recent publication by the Ateneo Press. We have Transfiguring Mindanao, a Mindanao Reader edited by 
Jose Joel Canudai and Joselito Sescon. And this compiles a huge array of sources from anecdotes and narratives to facts and figures necessary. There's a very up-to-date contemporary studies that any scholar in Mindanao or any regular reader can pick up and read to get a more contemporary and up-to-date uh, scholarly look at what Mindanao is from economic, cultural, cultural to political conditions in Mindanao. So check that out now. It has been released just uh, within this year. So you may use, again, you may use the code to get a discount on that. If you want to get that at a uh, discounted price, mm -hmm. just use the code that works for our, only our listeners. The code is ATENPIPOD, that's A-T-E-N-P-I-P-O-D. That's, again, that's A-T-E-N-P-I-P-O-D for a 20% dis, uh, discount on any of the books. You know, if you don't feel like reading these books, any you can use it on any of the books that you can buy at Ateneo Press at Shopee. So, yes. Um, Borge, any uh, recommendations for this topic? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, specifically regarding Muslim Mindanao, again, I'm not an expert on this, but uh, uh, I've learned as much as I can, albeit briefly, from one of my former colleagues, and I think he's an expert on, uh, again, the peace process, socialist movements in Mindanao, uh, go check out the works by Professor Rizal Buendia. Just look, at him, look him up on Google Scholar. I think he has several journal articles and several monographs on, uh, again, case of Muslim Mindanao. Do check it out. But uh, personally, this is something that I would like to share. Uh, earlier on, I emphasized that the, you know, Muslims in the Philippines are different from, again, the Middle East. But uh, going up the ladder of <laughs> generality, it's, if you want to have a more comprehensive understanding of Islam and politics, uh, I would recommend uh, a series of mini documentaries from, again, I think I recommended this before, but I would like to recommend it again. Uh, the YouTube channel, Kings and Generals. Uh, they have a good series on, again, early Islam, Islamic politics, and again, of course, military history would be there. But uh, they also talked about the golden age of Islam during the me medieval ages, which is usually not that appreciated. You know, yeah. when when... when people are discussing world history, they would usually miss out on the fact that Greek classics were recovered by Arab scholars. Mm. So there was a time when, again, Middle East had been the seat of you know, intellectual life. Yes. Uh, in, in that part of the More world. More advanced science than Europe. Yeah. So yeah, so, so yeah uh, this, go back to Kings and Generals. I'll post some links on some playlists. I think they do have some consolidated uh, documentaries right now out of their mini documentaries. But yeah, if you want to have a more general understanding of Islam, politics, and history, uh, that would be there. And again, let me repeat, if you want to read, uh, have somewhere to start reading about the Muslim Mindanao, go and check out the works of Professor Rizal Bindia. I'll post some links to his downloadable works. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, yes, uh, Professor Yasmira, any additional reading assignments for uh, <laughs> Mindanao or maybe even watch, uh, we, we can watch, yeah? Yeah, um, you may you may actually um, also try to search at the Ateneo uh, Press if they have reprinted the copy of the history of Mindanao and Sulu, uh, the history of the uh, GRP and MNLF peace process. Mm -hmm. um, Mindanao um, Mindanao historian Rudy Rudil has a very comprehensive 
comprehensive and historical historical um, comprehensive account of the um, of the uh, Mindanao peace process. So he's really he's really a scholar, you know, in that regard. Um, Rudy Rudil. Um, mm. He also he also wrote a book under the under the pen name Numdigir Rad da Silva. It's mm. it's it's a it's a good novel. It's entitled um, Two Hills of the Same Plan. Uh, you may also try to search that uh, online. It might be available um, in some online for for online purchase. Another one is the um, is the uh, book on the history of contemporary Philippine Muslims by Cesar Mahul. Mm-hmm. So um, he's a UP professor mm. at IAS and. Uh, and Asian history. So she, he, he, he also wrote a very good account about the Muslim struggle, struggle in the Philippines and how the Moro struggle um, became, of course, a, an internationalized struggle mm. um, for the Filipinos, no? for the Philippine history, his, um, uh, history students and, and, mm. and, and students of politics. And, um, and there's a lot, actually. Um, I also would like to uh, plug... Uh, that for your alternative mm. uh, source of mm. um, information and news about Mindanao, mm-hmm. kindly check mindanews.com. So they yes. provide a very grassroots approach to writing the history and the current history of Mindanao uh, from the lens of the Mindanaoans. So mm. mindanews.com. Mm. And also uh, check out... Um, and and check out um um Mo, uh, Norodin Lukman's um um the Moro archives. I think it's in Ateneo mm. Press. You could the 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 author is Norodin Lukman. So mm. he's a Mindanaoan historian too, a Marinao who wrote about the 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 history of the Bangsamoro struggle, which is part of the larger Southeast Asian struggle of the. Of the Muslim Asian, so that mm. that's a very good account too. You can check on that. Okay, thank you very much, Yasmir. And that was this has been a very great uh, discussion, and of course, uh, even richer recommendations. So hopefully, we'll get you uh, to come again, maybe to discuss more, maybe about the priest process, or um, yeah, maybe something else on Mindanao. But uh, this has been a lot very rich yeah thank you very much <laughs> yeah you and i borgie and i admittedly don't know a lot but i feel like we've learned so much now yep. but yeah and there's still questions that needs to be answered and explored so yeah anything else Borg, before we uh, yeah, say again, goodbye? yeah again thank you very much Rasmir, for this very insightful uh episode and our conversation on muslim in the now it's a good again as i've said it's a good survey of all the issues and of course the background of uh, what's happening right now there so again looking forward to having you again here with us on PI podcast in the future in case something happens <laughs> maraming maraming salamat din okay so you may find the podcast on YouTube Anchor and Spotify if you want to have a uh, suggestions or even ideas for uh, an episode please send us an email at pipodcastph at gmail.com but until the next episode, magandang gabi, mga ka-PI. Mm-hmm.